All right, hour two of the Blitz starting right now here on Fan Run Radio, 1340 AM, 105.7 FM, live in your Fan Run Radio app. It's free wherever you get your apps. We're also live in the Fan Run Radio web browser, and if you want to watch the video feed, well, that's over on the Fox Sports Knoxville Twitter page. Oh, look at our smiling faces, man. Sam Beard back there behind the board. Got our grays on today, grays and hats. Matching. I don't even know how you could tell us apart. <laughs> we look the exact same. <laughs> oh, man. Do you know this computer just tells you that it's windy out? I mean, like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I'm looking at all the little decals at the bottom, and we got... It's got, like, a little... We got one for whatever the web... I don't even know what web browser this is. I've literally never heard of it in my life, but it's the one that we use, I guess. The uh, I mean, the iPhone app does that. It gives you, like, a wind advisory, I think. Which I... Okay, so we use Microsoft Edge for our browser. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's strange. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Uh, we got some other buttons down here I've never seen. We got our, like, our Audacity buttons, Skype, folders... We got a little question mark, you know, your little internet and battery icons. And then there's just a, a little yellow triangle with wind in it, like little, you know, little wind graphics. And it just says wind. No exclamation point. I feel like an exclamation point would be better. I want to know what it's like on that on that computer after like a tornado. Is it swirling? I don't know. That's a good that's another good point. Oh, we have a wind advisory, too. That makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Don't light any fires today, then. Be careful out there with your fires. I feel like I had something else I wanted to ask you before we got into the opening drive, but it's escaped me, so instead, how about we start hour two with an opening drive? First down. Interesting Nashville Predators Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Probably not the Sunday you were expecting uh, if you were a Preds fan. I was not prepared for anything that transpired yesterday. No, I'm not talking about a 6-2 win over the Coyotes, though that was nice too. Roman Yossi had a couple goals. So did Yakov. But some interesting Predators news. As uh, I guess for first down, we'll go with the bigger story at a Preds camp. As Predators GM, longtime GM of 26 years, David Poyle. Only GM. Yeah. He's hit the road. He will be retiring at the end of the year, uh, effective June 30th. I believe is the official date. Um, yeah, effective June 30th. About time. Winningest GM in the history of the NHL. Yeah. One GM of the year back in 2017. An illustrious career. Uh, I, I think he'll be a Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame kind of guy. For sure. You know, maybe he sniffs the Hockey Hall of Fame. I doubt it. But maybe he does just for, again, being the winningest in his role in transforming the Predators from small market team to one of the best franchises, you know, well run, most well-run franchises, profitable franchises in the NHL. 
So, you know, maybe he gets a, a tip of the cap for that. We'll see. But the weirder part of all of this, Barry Trotz, the first coach in the history of the Nashville Predators, is set to take over Fort Boyle in June as the next GM. That was really surprising to me. I had no idea no, Barry Trotz was coming into yeah, to no, be no, GM. no GM search, no GM of prior experience. Barry Trotz, which, hey, Trotzy, that's our guy. You know, he's got a special place in his heart for the Predators, their first ever coach ingrained in the Nashville community. I think one of the hardest things the Predators organization has ever gone through was when they had to cut ties with Barry Trotz when things started to sour there. But he's back as your GM. He's going to get to work immediately. He's not effect, you know, taking over as your effective GM, so to speak, until June 30th. But he is already there in Nashville working with the Preds front office, getting accommodated with the job, getting ready to take over full time. So weird still. I, I it mean, is. I, it's just like what if what if the Titans were like, ah, all right, John Robinson's out. Jeff Fisher, come <laughs> on down. And I would do it in a heartbeat too. Give me Jeff Fisher as the GM. I think we should have. I think we should have tried that, Charlie. That's a good idea. Maybe. <laughs> oh man, could you imagine Mike Vrabel and Jeff Fisher trying to work God, together? That'd be trying awesome. Trying to collaborate? No, I, I feel like yeah, that would be, be awesome. terrible. That'd be awesome. Two most powerful mustaches in the country. That'd be true. The amount of <laughs> cigarettes that would get smoked. Yeah. You're telling me they just wouldn't go into the St. Thomas if, Sports Park and just get like four packs. I don't four know packs if Jeff's a smoker, just, but they say that Braves is like a cowboy killer. Yeah. Jeff Fisher probably strikes me more as like a dip guy. guy. I think he dips more. Well, I think Mike is also a dip guy. Yeah, no. Vrabel's just like a, I need nicotine in my body 24-7 guy, I think. Yeah, I think Vrabes is like uh <laughs> Spit a dip, puff the sink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's. I don't think he's afraid of. You think of the practices close to the media. Braves is ever out there smoking a cig. I wonder if. It, or just like in general, at close to the media practices, the coaches ever smoke cigarettes. Maybe that's why they close it to the media. <laughs> We're not even doing anything game plan wise today. I We're just, just got a fresh darts pack out there. Of Paul Malls. Second oh, down? Or are you done with, with David Boyle? Uh, we can stay on this for just another okay. <laughs> another second. Uh, I mean, Boyle done a lot of a lot of great things. Yeah. A ton of great things. I mean, he's fleeced some teams in, in, some, in, in some deals. He's, again, has the Predators as one of the, the most winningest franchises since, you know, in the last 15 years. Like, he has them on a, a very long playoff streak. Like, the Preds have been incredibly successful. But, you know, just a lot of moves lately that have not made as much sense. You know, Fiala leaving and, and being exceptional, not being able to get enough out of Arvinson. Maybe uh, Kyle Turris wasn't the right decision to sign. You know, the inconsistencies with your your big money guys with Ryan Johansson and Matthew Shane. More recently, whatever you're doing with Philip Tomasino right now, you know, giving up on Ellie Tolvin and only for him to go to Seattle and immediately flourish. Just feels like the mistakes had kind of gotten to a point where they were compounding and piling up on Poyle and putting him further and further in a hole. And I did feel like it was, a, you know, the time had come uh, as, as much as he will be beloved. Uh, for 
for Barry Trotz. You know, if he was coming in as the head coach, that'd be great. I would love to replace John <laughs> Hines with Barry Trotz. You're going to get a new coach. John Hines is also going to get fired. That was part of the news dump is that you're going to have a new coach. But can he be a GM? I don't think anyone knows. You know, for a franchise that's at such a tipping point that is, you know, that's had uh, their fair share of, of mistakes the last couple of years from a front office standpoint, it feels weird to, to put all your eggs in the basket of a former coach that – you don't know if, if if he can do the job. Great coach, smart guy, widely acclaimed human being, you know, beloved person, gets the most out of his players, put him in a great position to succeed, but he's not coaching them. You know, he's going to, A, have to find someone to coach him. That's going to be a weird relationship, I feel like. You know, how, how much is Trotsy going to want to influence the new coach? You don't know. And, and, and then, B, again, can he make roster decisions that lead to winning, that drive winning? I don't know. Maybe he was involved in, in one that took place yesterday. So now to you, Sam, second down. Second down. Do you know what time it is, Charlie? Don't say it. It's Dame time. Oh, that wasn't where I thought you were going. <laughs> Damian Lillard last night set franchise records. Career high, 71 points, 13 three-pointers, one shy of the all-time three-point record in NBA history, one shy of Klay Thompson from 2018. Uh, Damian Lillard was the eighth player in NBA history to score 70 points last night. I love Damian Lillard. He's had six 50-point games since he's turned 30. Tied for the second most in NBA history, only trailing Wilt at seven. So Lillard's getting two more fifty-point uh, games in his career. Thirty-two. He's still got a couple more years left in him. I think he's got three more fifty-point games. He's going to set the all-time record. They posted a picture of him with a little 71, 71 piece of paper last night. Pretty electric. I thought the coolest thing was that uh, Damian Lillard, last night, he broke his own record that he had broken twice before, franchise record in points. He's just absolutely destroying the Blazers' franchise records in points per game, everything. He's done it already twice on threes, topped his uh, previous career high, which was 11. Just an unbelievable night, 71 points. He means so much to that franchise. He does. They were all they were chanting MVP. He was saying I, after the game how much it means to him, how much the city means to him. What a great guy. I love Damian Lillard, man. He's just he's loyal. You know, yeah. he's, he's still loyal to loyal to Weber State. Mm -hmm. He's loyal to to Portland, man. He's loyal to his family. He's a great family man. Um, him and Russell Westbrook are my two favorite players in the NBA by far. I think it's a lot of it has to do with just who they are as like humans, or at least who they're publicly portrayed to be. You know, obviously we don't know Damian Lillard personally, but by all accounts, they've just stuck like in some a, tough situations over time. And by all accounts, he seems like a top tier kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, just makes such a great effort as like a, a dad, and, and, and such a great effort in the city of Portland. And you know, I, I think a lot of people have kind of knocked him, like, "Hey, man, why don't you leave? Like, why don't you go chase that ring?" But for me. 
I, I, I almost hold his legacy up to a higher standard because he's been so loyal to Portland, because you know he's tried to do it his way, because he's been true to himself and true to that city, rather than I would if he would have teamed up with two other superstars and won a ring. Like to me, what he's done in Portland means more to his overall legacy than than you know a, a ring, a super franchise bot. I love Damian Lillard. I agree. Not, I, every time he has a great game, just makes you happy. Yeah. He deserves it. He, he deserves the world. I love that guy. <laughs> love that guy. Would you have taken Damian Lillard on the Heat though when that was a rumor a couple years ago? Yeah, I wanted it so bad. <laughs> yeah, I bet you wanted that bad. It's 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 a peculiar situation when you're a Heat fan that also hates super teams. Because you were the team that started the super. Yeah, team. Yeah, like I'm a massive Heat fan. Also, not a not a big fan of super teams. I don't like it I, I like when talent is more spread out i like parody so it's weird when you're like i love the heat but man we sure do love our super teams um anyway third down this is where i thought you were going so back to the nhl more preds news uh maybe trotsy was involved maybe he wasn't I don't, I don't really know honestly the inner workings of this deal i doubt he was really overly involved but last night uh, the Nashville Predators traded Tanner Janot to the Tampa Bay Lightning for five draft picks and Cal Foot. Preds got a third round pick in 2023, a fourth round pick in 2023, a fifth round pick in 2023, a second round pick in 2024, and a first-round pick in 2025, and again, plus Cal Foot, who has scored one goal this year and is 24 years old. Shout-out to Cal Foot, but Widely deemed across the NF NHL as a massive W for the Nashville Predators. Looking at ESPN's trade grade, they give it an A+. The only trade they've given an A+, to for any team. Same goes for The Athletic. Same goes for NHL.com. If you would have looked at NHL Twitter last night after this trade went through, everyone was sitting there questioning how on earth did the Nashville Predators get this? Um, everyone was Tanner like... Tanner Janot, before I... You didn't mean to okay. cut you off. Let me just leave you with this and then I'll, your thoughts. Tanner Janot landed as many draft picks as Ryan O'Reilly <laughs> and Vladimir Tarasenko did combined. That's basically what I was going to go into. Like, what is Patrick Kane about to get traded for if Tanner Janot is getting five picks at a player? It seems like every single sport at the trade deadline, they're just saying, like, screw it to picks. I just like, don't in know the how the NBA trade deadline, they were again, trading. O'Reilly and Tarasenko, though, combined to get so as much many better. picks as, as Janot did. And they're ten times the player that Tanner Janot is. Preds also traded, you know, Nino Niederreiter for the uh, to the Winnipeg Jets. Got a second rounder, but it was a weekend of change. Two trades, got six picks, got a new GM. Janot, um, though, he was a pending restricted free agent. Uh, could have been a part of the future, but he had dipped from 24 goals and 41 points in 81 games last year to just five goals and only 14 points in 56 games this year. 
Um, a bottom six forward who is an old rookie that was undrafted initially, probably had his best year of his career as a rookie. You know, shot percentages, different metrics tell you that he was fortunate to have as much success as he did a year ago and that this year is closer to who he is. Now, I love Jano. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. I, I am sad to see him go, but when you get a return like that, you got to be pleased. Just a massive return. Man. Hate to see him Can't go. Can't believe but... the Lightning gave up that much. Yeah. He's going to play well in the playoffs. His physicality, his ability on the four check, like that plays to the playoffs. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Lightning just make this work somehow. It, it feels weird to criticize the Lightning because they figure it out every time. Are the Lightning going to have a line with Tanner Janot and Corey Perry? That might be like the grittiest line of, of, of all that, time. Yeah, that, that could be the, <laughs> the, the definition of grit. Like people are going to they're gonna just like start. They're gonna start fights against that line because they're just gonna piss them off so much. Get under their skin. We'll see what the Preds do from here. You know, it feels clear that they're going into some sort of retool, Re- rebuild. We'll see what it is. You've acquired a lot of picks. Um, still think you know maybe Matthew Shane, maybe Matthias Eckholm, maybe Michael Granlin could be on the move. Philip Forsberg brought up too, but nah, you're committed to him long term. That's who you're gonna build around. Anyone not named Forsberg. Yossi or Soros, I'm probably pretty pretty alright with shipping out considering what you get back. We'll see. I can see Ekholm leaving though for sure. I think we might trade Ekholm. He's my favorite player. I'd be sad to see him go. Yeah. But I think you're still in the wild card race, so you, you, you bring up some more guys from Milwaukee. You go with a younger team to mix in with your veterans that are going to be there through the rebuild, like Yossi and like Forsberg, for example, like Soros. See if you can make a run at the wild card still. You're still right in that conversation. I think that's doable. And then you really get into more change this offseason. Fourth down? Fourth down. Talking about the uh, new MLB rules. Max Scherzer says he loves the new MLB rules. Pitchers can totally dictate the pace. Uh, he says the rule change of the hitter having only one timeout completely changes the dynamic of the hitter and pitcher game. I love it. Seems like it's a big, uh, just a big topic of controversy, I guess, in baseball right now, whether players are liking these new rule changes or not. Scherzer seems to be seems to be liking it he says it's like a cat and mouse game there's rules and i can operate within those rules uh the new rule players will have 30 seconds to resume play in between batters between pitches pitches uh pitchers have 15 seconds with nobody on base 20 seconds if there is a player on base and the pitcher must start his delivery before that clock expires after a pitch, the clock starts again, and when the pitcher has the ball back, the catcher and the batter are in in the circle around home plate and play is otherwise ready to resume. A lot of these guys can play quicker. Um, there were 69 pitch timer violations in the first 35 spring training games over the weekend. And there were 35 violations just yesterday in 16 games. It's weird. It's, I feel like it's going to be one of those rules where, you know, we're really criticizing it right now and then maybe uh, 
you know, maybe further down the further down the line in the season, guys get a little more used to it. It doesn't become as big a deal. But Tyler Matzik, a uh, relief pitcher for the Braves, tweeted something kind of interesting. He said the average MLB game takes three hours and three minutes, but the average action time in those MLB games is only 18 minutes. And NFL average game length is three hours and 12 minutes. And they they only have an average time of ball in play for 18 minutes as well. So he said, does baseball need to speed up or does it just need to become more entertaining? Maybe a little bit of both. I don't know. I I mean, I I think the pace picking up could make it more entertaining, like drives the action a little bit more. Uh, There's been a lot of reaction to some of the... uh, some of you know some of the the incidents from this weekend you know most notably again the Braves game ending with bases loaded because of a batter getting you know called out for not addressing the pitcher uh, with his eyes visually I think we're just gonna have to iron some things out but I don't think it's gonna be as bad as maybe some people are anticipating could be a thing we don't even notice that much come two years from now good opening drive Atlantic Sun Tournament Preview on the other side. Conference. Tournaments are here, baby. Best time of the year. I am so excited. Tonight kicks off with just the Atlantic Sun, just the play-in games. Ten-seeded Florida Gulf Coast. Dunk City, nine-seed Queens. That game being played at Kennesaw State. All uh, Is it all at Kennesaw State? No, so all games are at host sites. Okay. Are at campus sites of the higher seeded team, except for these two play-in games. Uh, they will take place at Kennesaw State and Liberty, uh, because they're going to play Kennesaw State and Liberty tomorrow. So you're saying the the higher seed in every matchup basically just plays the game at home? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. So like tomorrow, the quarterfinals start. You'll have North Alabama playing at Eastern Kentucky. You gotcha. have Lipscomb playing. Gotcha down in Deland, Florida, at Stetson. Okay. Uh, and then you'll have the winner of Game 2 playing at Liberty, the winner of Game 1 playing at Kennesaw State. They're just having tonight's games at Liberty and at Kennesaw State, so they don't play somewhere tonight and then have to travel to those two locations gotcha. tomorrow. And then they'll space the games out. You know, They'll have Wednesday to travel. They'll play again Thursday. Um, they'll reseed two in the semifinals. So Kennesaw State, the one seed, if they advance to the semis, they'll get the lowest remaining seed and so on and so forth. Uh, tonight, again, you got Queens and Florida Gulf Coast. You got Bellarmine and North Florida. Um, the favorite in this one is Liberty. The Liberty Flames, 24 and 7, uh, 15 and 3 in the A Sun. They are a top 45 team in Kinpom, top 40 team in, in, in Bart Torvik. Projected somewhere in like the 12 seed range, you know, they're if they make the tournament, they're going to be a very popular upset pick in that 12 to five upset range. 
You have a player in Darius McGee for Liberty that is one of the most exciting mid-major scorers in all of the country and, and really probably would be the most exciting if it weren't for Antoine Davis at Detroit Mercy. You know, he, he's been doing it for a while. He's dominated the A-Sun for a while. Uh, for Liberty this year, averaging 22.3 points a game. That's fourth in the country. Efficient scorer as well. That makes Liberty the favorite. And the predictive matrix metrics, they agree. You know, they like the Flames. Shiloh Robinson, Blake Preston, two really efficient scoring big men. But... Where things get interesting is Kennesaw State. In 2020, Kennesaw State went 1-28. and 28. No way. They went 1-28. and 28. That's an in, like, insanely impressive turnaround. That's hard to do. Yeah. 2021-28 this year, 23-8. and eight. A 15 and three, and they're actually the one seed in the Atlantic Sun tournament because despite all the talk about Liberty, those Owls a couple weeks ago took down the Flames as a pretty big underdog. Not really getting a lot of respect. They're still a pretty big underdog in this conference tournament. Liberty, a decisive favorite. Kennesaw State at three to one odds to win the championship. Liberty at negative money, you know, less than a dollar back. For every dollar you bet on Liberty to win the A Sun right now. But Kennesaw State, I feel like they kind of like being in that underdog position. Uh, they'll have home court advantage throughout the entire tournament. They were undefeated at the Convocation Center this year. Ten of those 11 wins were by more than two possessions. And I think people really don't know this team. But Chris Youngblood has only scored in single digits once at home. He shoots the ball at 43.4% from deep and averages 15 points a game. It's a dangerous March scorer. To me, this Kennesaw State team, dangerous just as well as Liberty. Not as dangerous as Liberty, but dangerous too. Um, Your long shots, Stetson. I mean, they, they shoot the 11th most threes in the country, 32nd offensive efficiency. So, like, maybe they can get hot in a tournament setting. Other than that, though, it really does kind of feel like it's going to come down to Kennesaw State and Liberty. Like, these other teams have the ability to do some nice things. Queens has some good wins. Bellarmine, too. You know, Florida Gulf Coast beat USC. They have some decent players, but – Kennesaw State and, and, and Liberty have just been on an entirely different level of efficiency. I think it's going to come down to those two in the championship game. I think this is going to be one of our only chalk conference tournaments. So, Sam, your winner in the A-Sun. Give me Kennesaw State. I want to pick Lipscomb. <laughs> oh, you want to you wanna pick Lipscomb as the scrappy five seed? Give me Lipscomb. Yeah, no, screw it. Give me Lipscomb. All right, you got scrappy five seed Lipscomb. Let's go Cinderella run. To be fair, they have the size to match up with Liberty. They give Let's Liberty fits. Let's do it. Uh, with There are two bigs with the big names that I can't remember what they are. Or do they have Tommy Mur- uh, Mura at Lipscomb right now? Don't know. 
Let's they have see. two good bigs in an, uh, an all-league guard. Give me Kennesaw State, though. Hootie hoo, I got the Owls. I Surprising neither of us picked Liberty, given how big of a favorite they are, but I don't know. I, I think this is what I, I really do like this Kennesaw State team. But tonight, it's Queens and Bellarmine and Florida Gulf Coast and uh, North Florida. And once again this year, I will be gambling on every single game of conference tournament week. If you didn't follow along for this journey last year, me and John had a ton of fun with it last year. Did John do it as well? No, he his whole thing was like he made fun of me and then I made the bets and it was it was a real back and forth. <laughs> yeah. And then he would just be like, why are you watching this, you sicko? And then I'd be like, I'm going to win this bet. And then he'd be like, well, I'm not betting it because I don't care. But we had a lot of fun with it. We were watching him in the studio last year. 177 and 132 is my record. I'm trying to top it this year. We'll see. It'll be tough to top, but, but I think you can do it. You can check my Twitter account for more information. I'll be posting all my bets over on this uh, this app called Picket as well. But I'll, I'll be posting them every day if you guys want to track how I do. But uh, that's your A-Sun preview. Good, bad, or the ugly on the other side. Day. It's time to play Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Sam, over to you. I don't have many uglies. I've got a couple goods. We're going to see... I'm going to go with Chris Kirk here. Chris Kirk on the PGA Tour yesterday. Walking up 18. Leader of one, leader by one. All you got to do is find the green. Finds the water. Chris Kirk. Mm. Hits it in the water, forces a playoff, grinds through the playoff, wins in the playoff. Chris Kirk, uh, an amazing story. His first win in eight years, first win in 179 starts, almost 180 starts. Just a really good guy, Um, really well-liked around the tour. In 2019, he took a break from golf, uh, had some alcohol abuse issues, uh, was battling depression, took a little bit of time away from golf, um, really was was big for him, has become, you know, just a, a great father, he's had, you know, he's got a couple kids, has a great family now, um, yeah, man, just grinded through it, tough to win on the PGA Tour, he's been doing it for a while now, he's been playing for a while, couple years back um he needed a top three finish in order to keep his tour card and he finished second that week so he's just he's just kind of a grinder he's been doing it for a while now and it's just good to see him win for the first time in eight years that's a long time for someone who's been playing golf so good to see him back on the winning track i always love moments like that in the pga yeah i mean it's just people never understand i don't think people really fully grasp how hard it is truly to win one of those events yeah and to do like just to keep playing week in week out not get the result you're looking for and just keep at it and i i don't even i mean i think people think more about like the the biggest stars and like how hard it is to win but like just how hard it is to keep your tour card sometimes and Mm -hmm. just to stay on the tour for like a lot of these guys and your monday qualifiers and bouncing back and forth and all around i mean 
a lot of respect for the top 50 golfers in the world, but even more respect for the guys that are grinding to stay there. 150th, 200th. Yeah, yeah 100%. I agree. Uh, my good from the weekend comes from The Athletic. Going to get a new series with Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker Draft Diary. Let's go. Tennessee quarterback ready to live his dream at the NFL Combine. That's the article from this morning, but here's the blurb. Hendon Hooker had surgery on his knee in December to, to report to report torn ACL, repair a torn ACL, yada, yada, yada. Uh, that's the introduction. But it's not going to diminish his enthusiasm for the process. Hooker has agreed to share his experiences with the athletic, and this is his first entry. So next up on the Hendon Hooker is a great guy tour. Well, we get his kids, you know, his his Christian children book. We get an entire season of us just finding out how great of a leader he is, how great of a person he is. He's such a great writer. His Player Tribune article was one of the, the better pieces I've read. I mean, yeah. second only to the piece that Pecorine wrote after the NHL finals, Stanley Cup final. I mean, I just Hinton got Hooker chills when you said that. That Pecorine one's unbelievable. Made me cry. Yeah. Hard. Uh, I mean, t- Hinton Hooker is such a great guy. I think he's really quickly growing his personal fan base. A lot of people like him. And, you know, now it seems like we're going to get a series on the athletic uh, where he's just kind of taking us through his draft process. And the first one this morning is him talking about him ready to live his dream at the NFL Combine. So it's a good read. I recommend you go check it out. Shout out Hinton Hooker, such a great ambassador for this football program. Uh, the ugly from the weekend, Sam. Uh, the ugly the from bad. My bad. Yeah, yeah. This Skip is bad one. too. Uh, the bad. Sorry. Uh, LeBron James left game this weekend, mid third quarter. Went down with a non-contact injury. Uh, after the game, said that he heard a pop in his right foot. That's, That's so good. not good. That's not good at all. Uh, almost kind of looked like a. Don't want to speculate or anything, but it kind of looked like, you know, you you hear you hear a pop and then he goes down non-contact on a foot. And you hope that's not, you know, an Achilles or something like that. Hopefully, it's a short-term injury. You can see LeBron try and try and grind to get the Lakers into the playoffs. I guess they're not really, they're still not really doing too much this year. But hate to see LeBron go down. My bad from the weekend. Texas A&M baseball, and if there wasn't mm. something even worse in college baseball from the weekend, usually this would be a, a, <laughs> a result reserved for the ugly portion of this segment. Lost to Lamar in the middle of the week last week. Hey, that happens. That's fine. That's early season baseball. But then the Portland Pilots come to town. This is an A&M team. You know, they, they got sloshing in Nagel. It's his second year. They made it to Omaha last year. High expectations. I have really high expectations for this A&M team. Maybe time to reset them a little bit. You know, again, early season baseball, you don't read too much into it, but it was a bad weekend for Texas A&M. On Friday, Portland comes to their place, blows them out, 10-3 to route for the Pilots. Pilots follow that up by defeating A&M 4-1 on Saturday and taking the series against the Aggies, the top 10 Aggies, top 5 Aggies, I believe. I think they were 5 at D1 Baseball. They dropped down to 15 now. And then on Sunday, Texas A&M needed a comeback in the bottom of the ninth to walk off Portland to avoid getting swept in their own park. Wow. 
They were down one in wow. the bottom of the ninth and, and walked it off. Wow. So tough weekend for the Aggies. Again, for what it's worth, early season baseball, always finicky, always weird. You know, I still think A&M a very good team, but they start off the SEC schedule with a trip – or pardon me, not a trip uh, – with LSU coming to their place. March 17th, SEC schedule starts with LSU, A&M. That's going to be fun. And they got some things to figure out before then. Sam, you're ugly. Can I just do another good instead of an ugly? That sounded kind of mean. Sam, you're ugly. <laughs> you want another good? You I know don't what? really have much ugly. It's the best time of the year. Yeah. Conference tournaments start today, so in the spirit of good times and good vibes, let's get a second good from you instead. Okay. I'll, I'll give you my ugly, too. My ugly was that, that Jake Paul, Tommy Fury fight. I watched it because I wanted to see Jake Paul get knocked out, and they just hugged each other. And It was in Abu Dhabi, and there I was, couldn't even get a stream. There was no... The atmosphere was terrible. It sucked, but I don't really care about that. My other good, uh, if you haven't been watching Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark play at Iowa this year, this I girl's absurd. I thought about this up, yeah. This girl's absurd. Um, a second and a half left in the game, Iowa playing number two ranked Indiana, only one loss on the season, 26-1 and one going into that. Uh, Caitlin Clark hits a buzzer beater, three, second and a half left. She drops 34-9-9. That's like an average night for this girl. Um, she's averaging 27, seven and a half rebounds and eight assists on the season. This girl's going to be a stud in the WNBA. Um, With all due respect to Aaliyah Boston, Caitlin Clark should be your player of the year. Oh, 100%. Like this girl. She's insane. It's, it's uh, unbelievable. They handed Indiana only their second loss of the season with just that crazy buzzer beater. She's insane. Um did not going to bring it up here in my good, bad, the ugly, just because I didn't know if I wanted to quantify it as good for Iowa, ugly for Michigan State, yeah. or somewhere in between. But same, it was chaotic enough where I needed to just mention it today. Right. The Iowa hockey. Ho- <laughs> Let me try that again. The Iowa Hawkeyes were down ninety-one to seventy-eight with a minute and twenty-nine seconds left in the ball game, and went to overtime, tied one hundred and one, one hundred and one. <laughs> They didn't even really choke that game. No. Like, they just made shots. Like, like, Michigan State just, like, made their two free throws, and then Iowa just came down and hit an absurd three. They made free throws, like, down the stretch consistently, too. It's not like they were... They got from 91 to 101 in the final minute and 20-something seconds. If, if I was if I was on that roster and Iowa I look at that... Iowa scored 22 points in a minute and 20, <laughs> like, one seconds. That's absurd. I'm looking up at the at the scoreboard and just being like, how did we lose that game? We didn't do anything to lose how, it. How is any of this real? And Iowa was trending towards getting a little close to that bubble and, and having to worry about the last couple of games of the year, maybe the Big Ten tournament. Not anymore. Yeah. They're safe now. But my ugly from the weekend, this is real ugly. Sitting at 0-6 overall, Northwestern baseball. Mm-hmm. Poor Northwestern. They, it's they got, so cold up there. <laughs> they got swept by USC Upstate over the weekend. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> to, drop to, to drop to 0-6. It wasn't, pardon me, it wasn't just USC Upstate. They also got beat by Presbyterian. Did uh, they at least get to travel to and USC Upstate to get so out they, of that They weather? went and played some sort of event with Big South teams <laughs> and, and got, got beat by all of them. And not even the best Big South teams either, like the middle of the pack ones, <laughs> and they got smoked. <laughs> that is, that's embarrassing. <laughs> and those poor guys are sitting in Chicago. It's like, 
probably 30 degrees and windy trying to play a baseball game and they're just getting I mean, can you imagine being a power like power five baseball program playing a tournament with three big south teams and just getting whooped you get, how demoralizing that would feel. you get on the bus at the end of the weekend and you haven't won a game yet <laughs> but it only gets worse they've all they've also lost to texas state actually a good team but it gets worse pitching coach john strauss hitting coach uh, Dusty Napoleon and recruiting coordinator, also director of ops Chris Beacom, have all left the program. Okay. They just said, screw it. We're, <laughs> we're getting out of here while we can. So Northwestern is 0-6. They just got swept by the Big South, and they only have two members of their staff left. <laughs> That's it. Six games into the year, and the only two people Coaching the players are the head coach, Jim Foster, and volunteer coach, unpaid volunteer assistant, Adrian Santiago. Heck yeah. That's it. That is the entirety of their baseball staff. That's so bad. I feel bad for laughing, but that is the definition of ugly. Yeah, Best bet coming up on the other side. Much out of time here. I have to make it quick. Best bet for the day, Sam. Yeah, I'm gonna make it quick. Uh, Baylor going on the road to Oklahoma State after a big win against Texas on Saturday. Let's go, Oklahoma State money line because the Big 12 is crazy. Oklahoma State money line because the Big 12 is crazy. Yes. All right. I'm looking at the A-Sun, obviously, and I will be betting both of these games tonight, and I will be posting them over on the Picket app. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and save those. I'm going to keep those a su- su- surprise. You have to, mm, you have to a check little VIP my Twitter. pick. <laughs> you have to check my Twitter to figure out how I'm betting those. I like it. I'm leaning Bellerman. I'll go ahead and let you know that. I'm leaning. <laughs> Haven't made the official decision. Leaning Bellerman. Uh, but I'm going over to the Big 12 as well. You have Oklahoma State money line. I have Iowa State money line. As bad as they've been on the road, they are excellent when it gets into Hilton Coliseum, West Virginia. Usually when you come up just short of a big upset, the following game, especially if you're on the road, is a pretty big letdown. West Virginia needed a win against Kansas really bad to, to feel good about their tournament chances. Came up just short. I just don't know how much they'll have left in the tank to, to respond two days later after such a disappointing loss against a team that is really good at home. So give me Iowa State. Minus five, and that'll do it for us today. Again, follow me over on the social medias for my A-Sun picks tonight. Tomorrow, a lot more conference tournament basketball to talk about. A lot of basketball to talk about in general. It's going to be pretty basketball heavy here for the next couple of weeks, really the next month, as it should be. Hopefully we get some news on Tony Vitello, Malia Huna today as well. But for Sam Beard, I'm Charlie Collier. Appreciate you all tuning in. John Reed, Talk Sports, they're up next.